0: The Gospel reading today comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 24, verses 36 and 40 through 44. Let us listen for the word of the Lord. But about that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven or the Son, but only the Father. Then two will be in the field, one will be taken, and one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together, one will be taken, and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. I wonder how you approach the idea of an adventure. I wonder if it is similar to how you approach this season of advent. Indeed, the word adventure and advent come from the same Latin root word, ad, meaning to, and venere, meaning arrive. So advent most closely means arrival, an adventure, about to arrive. We name this season Advent because we prepare for the arrival of Jesus into our church year. We claim that this time, this time of preparation, is very important. It's separate from Christmas and important in its own right, so we drape the pulpit in blue and light candles of the wreath and have a festival as we did this morning. We sing certain carols and hold off on others until we get closer to the 25th. Many other rituals arrive around this time of year. Many new activities barge into our Decembers and shake up our normal wintertime routines. So I wonder how you feel about the arrival of this Advent adventure. Perhaps you think of this time of year with delight, where well-trod paths lead into beloved traditions, You bake the favorite cookies, you know exactly where all the nativity sets go. You hang a strand of lights, and in that moment when you plug them in, something holy happens, and the lights cast their gleam down the corridor of the years, lighting and helping you relive favorite memories. Or perhaps this time of year used to be the most wonderful time of the year for you, with all the joy and hope and love. But then changes happened, children moved away, a beloved family member died, a relationship fell apart, and now you take out that strand of lights and believe that their tiny twinkle will never pierce the darkness of your spirit. Perhaps you think of this time of year with annoyance, since it is always the same thing on the radio over and over again. And activities that were fun at some point have become so weighted with expectations and a need for perfection that you cannot unpack that box from the attic without getting a headache. And you already know that one of those tangled strands of lights is liable to blow the fuse on your house and another on the fuse of your spouse. Sometimes people come into this time of year ready for an argument, ready to debate whether to say Happy Holidays or Merry Christmas, and we might begin to wonder, if we are church-going Christians, shouldn't we be the ones piling on the decorations, carols, gifts, goodwill, and making Christmas the best it could be? Shouldn't we be leading the way and showing everyone else how it is done? When we look at the scriptures that we just read, we hear these words. In Isaiah, we hear of how the nations will stream to the highest of all mountains, the mountains of the mountain of the Lord's house. And in Matthew, we hear about the unexpected day and hour when the Lord will come and how we must be ready for our life to change in an instant. So what do these passages say about us leading the way into this season? What guidance do they give us to teach others about how they should celebrate? Actually, this text that we read and others that we read other Sundays don't say that much about that. As much as we might scour these verses for instruction, they don't tell us much about how we should be the ones leading the way. They tell us about how we should be the ones learning the way. We are to join others in learning the ways of the Lord. Isaiah's vision states clearly that the Lord shall teach, the Lord shall judge, the Lord shall arbitrate. All people will journey to the mountain of the Lord. And here's the thing, this God to whom all the nations are pilgrimaging in great groups is, yes, the God of Jacob and the God of the Hebrew Scriptures, But that does not mean that the house of Jacob and those reading these scriptures get to kick back, relax, and enjoy the vision of everyone coming to worship them. All you have to do is read more of the book of Isaiah, the Bible, or even just look around at our world to realize that those who worship God do not get a free pass from joining in the pilgrimage towards God. The last verse we read, that Betsy read, said, Come, let us walk in the light of the Lord, because even those who already worship God need to be reminded that God is the one in charge. The Lord is the one leading the way, and we are the ones needing redemption just as much as the next group of people. What we do this season of Advent is learn again where we are being led. When we take time to look around and think, we start to learn again what it means to let Christ lead us into this season. Some of us love the Christmas carols that pour out of the radio, and some of us do not. Some of us approach this season with trepidation and expectation and anxiety, while others bound toward it with energy and delight. And to be honest, most of us approach it with all of the above rolled into some Christmas-colored confection of emotion. Still, for each of us, it is helpful to remember that we aren't in charge of making Christmas happen. God is in charge of making Christmas happen. So rather than try to follow our own way, what would it be like to learn the ways of God? Instead of setting ourselves up on high, looking down on everyone, what if we practice seeing God as the judge, the arbitrator and the light of all the nations? Instead of using weapons to slash and shoot and scream to get our own way, what if we practice seeing God in the simple, life-strengthening work found in plowshares and pruning hooks? Instead of throwing a few elbows and punches on Thanksgiving and Black Friday to get through our to-do lists, what if we've practiced finding God by reaching out to strangers and doing community service projects? Instead of letting God poke through the crevices of our chock-full lives, what if we took time to sit still in front of that tree that we decorated so energetically or be quiet under those garlands that we held? that we hung what if we took time to look and listen think wonder worship and imagine what it must have felt like for that young girl and her confused fiance to wait and wait and wait and wait for something to arrive This season is not about God saying, oh, you've got this, you take the lead, I'll check back in later. This season is about God saying, you who have trod this way before, even you need to do it again. There's something new to learn. This season isn't about proving our spiritual worthiness so that Christ will decide to show up. God has already promised to be God with us. We can't change that. God has already entered the world. God has already made the way. We must prepare for it. We must walk towards the light of the Lord and learn from it, whether we've done this season 20 or 90 or two times before. We can keep journeying along an unexpected road, preparing for something that will change our lives. We will never heroically abolish all darkness on our own. And instead, in Advent, we learn to have the courage to proclaim that the light comes into the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. We must step into this season with the humility that comes when we realize that we aren't in charge. We must step into Advent with the attentiveness that realizes that God is about to do something new. the gospel lesson declares, keep awake, therefore, for you do not know what day your Lord is coming. He is coming at an unexpected hour. Yet it does not take much brain power to realize that we human beings don't always like to try new things. Often we'd rather agree with Bilbo Baggins in The Hobbit, who declares to Gandalf, We are plain, quiet folk and have no use for adventures. Nasty, disturbing, uncomfortable things that make you late for dinner. If you know the rest of the Hobbit, you know that Bilbo does end up going on an adventure there and back again. He follows his call, even though it means missing a great many second breakfasts at home in front of the fire. And at the end, Bilbo is quite content when he returns home. And the sound of the kettle on his hearth was even more musical than it had been in the quiet days before the unexpected party arrived on his, on his doorstep and invited him on the adventure. This is the season where we strip off complacency and apathy, where, where we remember that God is trying to get our attention in unexpected ways. This is the season to start on an adventure, even if it means missing our tea time. Lindsay is a 20 something who works at a nonprofit organization in Durham that helps older adults stay in their home by doing things like chores around the house or running errands. She sat around our Thanksgiving table this week and told us about her typical week. She, a lot of the things she does over and over again is run errands for many of the clients. And she initially thought this would be a simple task. For instance, she knows how to grocery shop where you make a plan, you dash in, you grab your item, and you dash out without needing to talk to anyone. She said she's pretty good at it and she thought she could fit a lot of grocery shopping trips in in a day. But grocery shopping hasn't gone quite as she anticipated. One woman with whom she works is named Becky. Becky is 89 and legally blind. Shopping with Becky is different. Together, Lindsay and Becky enter the store. Together, they walk to a shelf. Together, they discuss the options and make a decision. And then, slowly, they move on to the next item on the list. Lindsay, in all of her energy and ability, cannot lead the way, showing this woman how to be more efficient and effective. She cannot split up the list and meet back at a certain point. She could go off and do it on her own, but where would be the connection with Becky and that, leaving her at the front of the store or at home alone? Lindsay cannot do things her own way. So together, Lindsay and Becky are learning a new way to shop, a new way to move through the store, a new way to meet people. Lindsay said, "'What I'm doing now in the store "'is not simply about shopping for groceries.' What we're doing is communion. We like to be right. We like to know what to expect. We like to stack up our theologies and ideologies and grudges and even our Pinterest projects and show how well we did them. We like to stack all these things into a big pile of our own ability and believe that we are sitting on top of the tallest mountain in the world, looking down, waiting for everyone else to catch up too bad this isn't what God promises. God doesn't promise that we can leave the way and then sit waiting for others. God promises that we too can join others who are streaming towards the mountain of the Most High God. God promises that Christ will continue to try and teach us his ways, and we can continue to try to walk in his paths. So may we use these next few weeks to remember that despite our best attempts, we still have much to learn. May we remember that even in the cold swathed darkness of winter, there are still new things to discover. There are still things being born. May we remember that we will mess up. It is inevitable. No matter who we are, our lovely decorations will fray at the edges, and our patience will fray with them. We will forget that we aren't the center of the world. We will bypass the stable, because we just aren't in the mood to meet those people. We will need to remind ourselves that we aren't up ahead leading the way, but that we are pilgrims joining others on the journey, needing redemption as much as the person at our side we will fall short of the glory of God before even reaching the foot of God's holy mountain. But friends, here is what God is trying to teach us in Advent. God is not going to let us trail along behind, alienated, worn out, and fending for ourselves. That time when we trip and fall, we will not be alone. That time when our head aches with too much cheeriness and to do lists, we will not be alone. That time when the adventure seems so big and our abilities seem so small, we will not be alone. And that time when we can feel the heavens burst open with joy in our heart of hearts and our spirits join the chorus of breathless hallelujahs, we will not be alone. This season of Advent reminds us that we will never be alone. When we fall on our face, dripping on our eagerness, our expectations, and our ego, someone will stoop to the earth to extend a hand. Someone will gaze into our face, call us by name, and speak to us in a voice that slices through the chatter and the noise around us. Someone will say our name and the words, Come. Get up. Follow me, and we will look up to realize that Christ has been standing there the whole time. At the foot of the mountain, we will hear Christ say, look, look, because no matter what you do, I'm going to be with you. Come, get up, let us try this again, and this time, let's try this together. Let us pray. Lord, you have entered this world to show us how much we are loved, how much you long to be with us on the journey. Lead us, teach us, teach us to rejoice in your presence and delight in your ways. In your holy name we pray, amen.